welcome back to Out of the Rough, presented by We Know Fantasy. My name is Nate We Know Fantasy, and today I am joined, as always, by Lenny. Lenny, how are we today? Doing well, doing well. And joining us for the first time uh, on the podcast and will now be a featured staple with us is Sean. Sean, how are we? Good. How are we doing, Nate? LJ? Yep, doing just fine. A little about a little bit about Sean. You know, he is uh, you know, Sean, Lenny and myself have been best friends for quite some time now, played golf together for the longest time and are just golf fanatics, you know, and we talked previously when LJ and I started this podcast that, that, that that's what brought us together and now Sean's here to join us. So Sean, tell the fans a little bit about yourself. Uh, big golf guy. I uh, love to play golf. As you know, we play in a lot of tournaments as we can. Came from from where we grew up and uh, currently I'm in California now in San Diego. That's that's all I have to my story. <laughs> all right. Pretty good stuff there. Follow us on social media, Out of the Rough WK on Twitter. We're, get, we're running a giveaway right now for a sleeve of Pro V1 Titleist golf balls when we hit 100 followers so go follow us there and spread the message follow we know fantasy on twitter instagram and facebook at we know fantasy and visit our website we know fantasy.com for more fantasy sports content including golf basketball baseball football nascar anything and everything fantasy sports we have you covered so last week was the players at tpc sawgrass of course sean was not with us so he won't have any results so lenny and i'll run through our results it was a tough outing not only for ourselves in terms of DraftKings or DFS results and Bayline results, but nine of the top 20 golfers missed the cut coming into this uh, this tournament. So it was rough all the way around, and we saw some rough scorelines for sure. My favorites included Patrick Cantlay, Russell Henley, Stuart Sink, who all missed the cut at plus five, plus four, plus two, respectively. My DFS lineup included Rory McIlroy with his plus 10 and missed the cut. Colin Morikawa was the only person, one of six, to uh, <laughs> to make the cut in my DFS lineup, so not good for me there. Minus two for a T41, Patrick Cantlay plus five, Russell Henley plus four, Matt Naismith plus nine, and Stuart Sink plus two. All missed the cut there, so it was a... A uh, bad result for myself. Betting lines, of course, did not hit because I, you know, bet on my favorites. So, Lenny, how did we do last week? And I know it's going to be better than how, than how I did. Yeah, a little bit better than you. Not not good enough, though. Still not good enough. We had three out of six players. It's it's a tough one to call. And we mentioned it during the podcast. Uh, 17 was brutal on the first day, I think. 35 balls into the water on that first day alone so you know it's not ideal when you're picking your lineup and 17 kind of got the best of my lineup a little bit of yours with Webb Simpson and Henley who were there they had a chance to make the cut 17 kind of won the battle on those two they put balls into the water I think both of them went on to bur- bur- er, bogey 18 I'm sorry and Henley needed I think a birdie there to make it Webb par would have gotten him in and couldn't do it and my weekend might have been a lot different with those two have a five out of six i also had morikawa you know 41st not the finish we were hoping for not the finish i expected he was someone that i put in my fantasy lineup had him in sports books as well thought the course would have fit him well thought he's gonna do great that round three killed him i also had tony fino who i mentioned i was 
very high on Tony Fino. I had him in all my lineups, had him on my sports bets, had him on the book. He was, I think, the highest owned guy throughout all of fantasy last week. I mean, I, I'm right with everyone that drafted him. I, I thought he was going to do great. Round one killed him off to a rough start. Finished tied for 99th. That's that's not what you want to see for, for Tony Fino. I did have two semi-bright spots with Joaquin Neiman, who I'm a fan of. You know, he tied for 29th. The way the field was, I'll take that. Not ideal, but I'll take it. And then I ended up going with Harmon. Like I mentioned, he was one of kind of my favorite guys at the lower range. He finished high for third. I can't ask for anything better. You know, he was there the whole weekend. Five under round one. Stayed in contention the whole time. Finished with 105 points. I, I couldn't ask for anything more from him. And he did so well. He's taken this week off. I can't blame him. I finished with 310.5 points. Not quite enough to, to be placing. Really, this week, though, was just rough for a lot of people. Uh, it's around 6% of people had 1 out of 6 or 0 out of 6 in their lineups, compared to 2.5% of people having 6 out of 6. So if you had 6 out of 6 this past week, Come you on the were, podcast. What? If you had 6 out of 6, come on the podcast. Oh, we can yeah, use you. Yeah. <laughs> if you had six out of six. Hit up, hit up our uh, Twitter handle. Get in yeah, honestly, if you had six out of six, you're obviously not listening to this either. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you had six out of six, you you only heard me talk about Harmon, and then you, you skip the rest. But yeah, six out of six, man. Those two and a half percent of people that did that, good for you. Congratulations. Hopefully, we're going to be there this week. Another very tough tournament. Another tough one to call. But you know, I, I'm feeling good. I think I think we have some good lineups this week. Let's hope. Moving on to the Honda Classic at the PJ National. Let's get this right. It's Palm Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Look at me. There go. we go. Jack Nicholas Design Course, like the concession we saw a few weeks ago with the WGC Workday Championship. Bermuda Greens, of course, here in Florida. This is annually one of the toughest courses on the entire tour. Outside of, you know, the likes of the majors, this is uh let's see, this is one of the hardest. I think it's the third hardest course or second hardest course on the entire tour. So, you know, we thought it was rough last week. It's gonna be rough again this week. So on top of the challenges that the course itself gives you, we're going to get some wind here in this March March plane here in Palm Beach Gardens. That <laughs> did I mess that up again? No, yeah, I got it. Got I got it. Right. it. I just got to go slow down. Just got to slow down. That you're on a roll here. <laughs> Guys, we recorded this once before, and the audio didn't save and whatnot, and I struggled with that city name. I mispronounced it at least 13 times before I got it right. So at the PJ National, there's water in 15 holes. And since 2007, when this uh, tournament began, 6,059 balls have found the water. 78 sand traps on the course, and they're not your typical up and down uh, bunkers. They're dangerous. Holes 15, 16, 17 are known as the bear trap. And since 2017, this has been the third hardest three-hole stretch outside of the majors on the entire tour. So a lot of challenges here. We saw that last week at TPC Sawgrass with 17, 18. You're going to throw the island hole there in that mix. But yeah, again here, the bear trap's really going to be where players win or lose this tournament. You score good on that stretch, you'll be fine. If you, uh, you know, put in the water and, and leave a lot of shots out on the course, you're going to have some horrible lines. and It'll be hard to uh, make up from there. Strokes gained approach will probably be the key stat to watch here. And golfers will need to play the par four as well to have success. Lenny, anything to add here about PJ National? 
Yeah, like you said, the bear trap, 15, 16, 17, is going to be key. Not only are those holes tough, it's going to kind of put a mental strain on some guys and going to need some guys that you get through there even. I think you're going to be happy. You'll see a lot of balls going into the water on those holes. Two of those are par threes. And the way this course is, all of the par threes are 150 to 190 in length, with three of them being 175 to 200 plus Two of the par fives have been changed to par fours for the PGA event. So you have more par fours than normal. And on these par fours, the majority of your approaches are coming from 150 to 200 range. And a lot of the 175, 200 specifically. So a lot of forced layups on this course. The bear trap though, 15, 16, 17 my favorite kind of aspect the favorite hole is 18 18 is a par five i really like when tournaments have 18 as a par five just because eagle is always in play and the way these holes are at the pga national right like you said water all over the place same with on 18 if you're gonna be attacking the green you're gonna have to hit your drive carry over some bunkers in the fairway and then you're shot onto the green. The green's going to be surrounded by water. It's not like 17, but there's water all over the front and right of it. So two good shots. You can see guys getting eagles, and there will be some eagles on this hole, as long as the weather doesn't get too crazy. But you'll also see plenty of double bogeys on this hole. So it's just not only is the bear trap difficult, right? We can see some crazy changes in scores throughout there. And then we have 18 where eagle opportunity is going to be in play. I think it's just going to be some really fun endings to the tournament. A lot of guys, you know, moving up, moving down throughout your lineup. And then, you know, the cut line as as guys, kind of how I was stressing last week, Henley and Webb Simpson, it's going to be the same thing because when you have a guy that might be one or two over, he comes up to 18, you get that eagle, right? It's one of the best feelings in the world, but there's always that double bogey that's in play on that hole as well. Yeah, a lot of look forward to in this course. Uh, a lot of, like you said, the the world's best are kind of sidelined for this uh, tournament coming off the players with the Masters only a few weeks away, but still a great course to watch and a lot of fun to be had this weekend. As we head here into our favorites, we're going to do a new format. We're going to do uh, we're gonna do more of golfers in price range that we like. We'll do first, like the 9,000 plus, the top tier. We'll go down to the second tier golf we like between like seven thousand and nine thousand. Then we'll go with our lower tier, which is about seven thousand and under. So, uh, with Sean making his debut in the podcast, Sean, how about we talk about your first guy here in the uh, top tier price range? All right, uh, the first one I have uh, is uh, he's Taylor Gooch. Uh, he's coming in at nine three uh, this week. He's made four out of the last five cuts. He's had some pretty high top finishes, tied for fifth or tied for fifth last week, and a tied for twelve. Uh, a couple weeks ago so he's riding it pretty hot he's made the cut here the last two out of the three years and he's been playing pretty well this year he's at a fourth tied for fifth and another fifth place um, so with those top tier guys not playing um with him coming at night three he might be a steal as one of those top tier guys this week yeah i'll uh, talk about gooch later my defense lineup i like him a lot there but my top guy is daniel berger world number 15 second most expensive guy here on DraftKings, 10 8 for this guy you know usually you know lj or lane and i preach about how we kind of avoid the top price guys in these tournaments because 
it's usually too much to pay up for these guys and what little return you'll get off for the people below them. But this week, I'm going with Berger. With, with the majority of the, of the world's best sidelined for this event in preparation for the Masters, like I said, Berger is easily one of the favorites. I think he actually opens up on the on the, on the the sports book as the favorite. He quietly finished T9 at the Challenging Players last week at TPC Sawgrass. He rattled four straight birdies in the final round on the turn to really help him get there. So he gained strokes in all metrics T to green at the TPC Sawgrass and gained more than nine strokes on the field in that category alone. That is super impressive and something to look forward to. T to green is not really a stat I buy into a lot. When you're gaining nine strokes in any form of statistic, I think it's worth noting. And he is a former runner-up of this tournament in 2015, and he took fourth last year. So with his recent success and his form, playing well at TPC Sawgrass last week, I think he's uh, in line for a great finish and possibly a W this week. Yeah, he's a good pick, he said. He just kind of struggled with the putter a little bit. It wasn't bad. A little bit around the green. And it's similar to the player I'm going with. Of course, it's Neiman again. Guy that I like. Guy that I pick a lot. He's a little bit at the, the higher price end. He's not the top guy. Uh, he's at 10-4 this week. Uh, I think that's a really good number for him. Yeah, I think these top five guys kind of have all around the same win equity here up at the top. Westwood's been playing the best out of all these guys, obviously. Back-to-back, second-place finishes. I, I just like Neiman's game. You know, I pick him a lot. Four out of the last five weeks, he's been in my lineup. Typically, he's a little bit lower, and I think he he has the skill to compete with these top guys. He hasn't missed a cut this season. The only place he lost stroke was around the green. It was less than one, I think. He played really well. In the PGA Tour this year, he's 12th off the tee, 13th tee to green. You know, so when there's a lot of water, approach shots are going to be key. He's good off the tee. He's good approach. I think he's just a guy who who can get it done i i'm a believer in neiman you know i'm picking him quite often uh, i'm not gonna step away from it i i've made a, quite a few bad picks he necessarily hasn't he hasn't done me wrong yet so i'm gonna stick with him all right if it's not broke don't fix it move on here guys let's talk about our middle range guys and this is where it starts to get a little more important. Of course, you have to hit on your big uh, name guys, but this middle round is where you're going to find two or three people to plug into your lineup. You got to hit here. So, uh, Sean, who is your middle value favorite this week and why? Ben on He is coming in at 8,000 even this week. You might be asking me why after Nate said it's important for these guys because he's not been playing so hot lately. He has made the cut in three out of the last four events. Tied pretty high up in there, but made the cut. And last week, he had a pretty... Uh, bad hole. I don't think he's going to have to worry about that much. He's had a pretty good history here. Um, tied for fourth last year, tied for 36 and 19, and then tied for fifth and 18. So two top finishes here in the last three years. With it being such a tough course and with a crew of people not being here, he might be a steal with, with his history. So I think he's someone that, I mean, he's in my lineup for sure. Yeah, Ben on had a very rough 17th hole on that first day shot an 11 four balls into the water but when you look kind of just at the previous results of tournaments after the players right and all of the guys that finished top five in the tournaments after the players the highest scoring player during the players is brandon grace at a t46 back in 2018 so there's a lot of guys who didn't do well in the previous week there's i think eight guys that missed the cut at the players that went on for a top five the following week you know i'm not gonna put a lot into what happened at the players especially for guys like ben on i think ben on's a good pick that sean has here 
around the green, he's really good. Tee to green, he's, he's a pretty good player. Good ball striker, I think. Not the best, but he, but he's good and he can get get it done. I'm a fan of the guy. I think guys like him where you he just blew up on 17. It's you're just gonna forget what happened during the players. And I, I think that's a good pick. Yeah, there'll be more talk about not really paying attention to last week's results, even though I just went and talked about Burger there. But when I get to my DFS lineup, my middle range guy is Zach Johnson, World 113, 7,400. And this is all about consistency. I'm looking for a guy here in this price range that's going to make a cut. And Zach Johnson's yet to miss a cut in this season, 11 tournaments. It's been quite some times. I think it's been since August of last year that he's missed a cut. He is, he has... Two top 10s in those 11 tournaments. So this is a tournament where, like I said, the world's best are not going to be there. So Zach Johnson, almost a guarantee to make a cut. As I say this, he's probably not going to make a cut this week. But if he make the cut, a top 10 is very plausible to get in there. And 7400 is is a rather cheap price to pay for someone, especially in this watered-down tournament in terms of, you know, world's best golfers, uh, to come in and, and get you a, a great value for a little price yeah definitely he hasn't missed a cut since the pga championship like what's that eight months straight of tournaments that he's made the cut in kind of almost regardless of the price someone who's gonna be there all four days getting points for you 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 can't you can't hate that you gotta give yourself a chance speaking of the pga championship the guy i'm picking also has a stat that links all the way back to the PGA Championship, and that's Keegan Bradley at 8.4. Keegan Bradley hasn't lost a stroke on the field to his approach game. So his approach game, he's gained strokes every week since the PGA Championship. Great approach player, and like Nate said, approach is going to be very key here at this tournament. Um, getting yourself into position on the green to make those birdies and take advantage. He's 10th tee to green, 7th on approach in the PGA Tour this season. So both stats in the top 10, excellent on the approach. Like, I can't can't emphasize that enough. If, if you're not having a good approach, you're not giving yourself opportunities to get birdies unless you're holing out, essentially, here. So I'm very big on Keegan Bradley. He's been playing well in this Florida swing. He's played well making the cut in both tournaments with a tie for 10th and a tie for 29th. So that's why I'm going with Keegan Bradley. Hopefully it pays off for me. Keep playing well. We'll see. Yeah, previously when we were talking about uh, this podcast, you talked about how you like Zach Johnson, just couldn't get him into your lineup. And I talked about how I like Keegan Bradley, I just couldn't get my lineup there. So we just just swapped some guys there, and we'll play them both across the – this week we'll see who uh who has a better result so sean let's kick it off here or end this segment with your favorite that is less than seven thousand dollars kind of your flyer and you know this is the type of player that you hit on and you have some uh, gloating to do uh so that would be bo hogue coming in at six six this week out of the last seven events he's played in six of them uh, made the cut in four uh so he's playing decently had a plus two last week. He missed the cut at the players, but not a terrible score if you think about the cut he had. Plus six or plus seven, sorry, last year at, at this tournament, um, but I think it was relatively new at that. It has a tied for 16th, a tied for 18th, and a tied for 23 this year. So that might be a play for him to get something higher with the field that it is. Um, and also his FedEx Cup ranking is 93, so with some points possibly out there for him to grab, um, you might be shooting for some higher ones there. So. 6'6 six, six for Ben Hogue is my logo. Yeah, and I can't really argue with anyone that you pick under 7,000. Like I said, these are just flyers that they don't have a, you know, a well-rounded golf game. They usually do one thing rather well, which helps them, which helps carry them. So really can't say anything bad about people's picks uh, this, this low down here, DraftKings or your DFS 
may it be anywhere you play. Mine is Chev Reavy, World 71. He, uh, let's, I don't know how to put this this nicely, but he's a terrible putter. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And, and that will take him out of tournaments at time. Last week of the players, he gained 5.4 strokes on the field off the tee in just two rounds. That's that's insane. Think about that. In two rounds, he's gained 5.4 strokes. But in the same sense, on those two rounds, he lost 7.3 strokes in chipping and putting. He's seven, he's ninth on the tour in shots gained approach, which we talked about this statistic being important. Uh, I'm taking this by flyer this week. If he could only just get that putter a little more consistent and start you know, hitting some of these putts, He's going to really have a great week. And as players struggle off the tee and, and from the approach, hitting balls in the water as 15 of these holes have water in these deep bunkers, he can kind of navigate this course and you know avoid the big hazards that are out there. Missing a putt is better than a, a minus two or a minus four with two out-of-bound balls. So that's where I'm going to go with this with my flyer at 7,000. Look up Ches Reeves' putting stat. This season, he, he's ranked 198th in putting. If he's just an average putter, I think that, you know, you have a chance with him. He's a great ball striker. Same with Bo Hogue last week off the tee. He was excellent. He was another guy who just struggled with the putter. You know, if those guys just just are average putters, I think that they have a good chance of making the cut. I'm going with another guy who isn't necessarily a specialist, but... Like Nate said, at this kind of range, you want to pick somebody who might be good at one thing and is going to, that one thing fits the course. Right? Like these guys have said, with Bo Hogue and Ches Reedy, good ball strikers, good off the tee, you know, can play at this course. I'm going with Chase Seifert at 6'2". The thing with Seifert, how I mentioned your approach range is he's well above average in that 150 to 200 range that I talked about from the fairway and the rough. And he struggles a little bit with the driver. He's not the most accurate on tour, which this could come to bite me because like we said, a lot of water on this hole or on this course. I'm sorry. But if he is in the rough, he's really good on the rough from this range as well. So he's going to put himself in position. He made four cuts in his last six events. Two of them were top 15s. Probably the most important stat for this guy. He's a Florida guy, right? I can't, I can't go a week without picking, <laughs> picking the hometown guy. Born in Florida, lives in Florida, went to school at FSU, right? Florida State. Nothing says Florida more than Chase Seifert. At six two, I'm going with him. Going with my Florida guy. Yeah, if you haven't caught on yet, guys, at least one pick per episode from Lenny will be a hometown guy. Let's move on to our DFS lineup, which, you know, I think people are interested in no matter how bad we do. Let's uh, let's let Sean lead the way here on his first time. And like you said, we kind of keep an ongoing tally between them. You know, it was just Lane and I, but now Sean will be here. So we'll see which one of us has the highest uh, score next week. But, Sean, let's uh, hear your guys, the values, and if we haven't talked about them yet on the pod, give us a reason why they're in your lineup. Uh, so to go back through um, the three guys I mentioned earlier, Taylor Gooch at 9-3, Ben on at 8, and Bo, Bo Hogue uh, at 6-6 six, six are in my lineup. Harold Barner, the third, he's, uh, he's at 7-6. He's made a few cuts the last couple events. 
uh, looking like four out of the last six that he's played. He's made the cut here in the last three events as well um, in 2020 through 18. So he has a good history here of making the cut. 7-6 might be a good value to get a guy who can make the cut, maybe make a good move. And then because of the way that the money's worked out, um, I snuck Adam Scott in there. Uh, he's at 10-1. Nothing can be said about, you said consistency with Zach Johnson. Uh, Adam Scott has been 9 for 9. Um, so I think he's an easy money if you can get the, if you can work your lineup to get the 10-1, definitely go for it because he's he's somebody who is worth every penny with this field. All I right. like that. That was that was a that was a very casual. Oh, I'm just gonna sneak Adam Scott in here. Yeah, your last pick. <laughs> it's a strategic cliffhanger. You got to get the people winning something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So my lineup here. Let's see. I of course talked about Berger at 10-8, Zach Johnson at 7-4, and Trevor Reeve at seven. I too have Gooch at nine three. Like that play a lot this week. Doug Gimmett a eight is my next guy. He uh, entered Sunday at the players with a minus ten in contention for a victory there, but a plus six on the final round really did him in. He uh, had a plus four and a plus three on holes. What was it? Holes seven and seventeen respectively. So that really puts a damper on your on your round when you have a plus seven, but he was in contention to win that tournament playing some great golf through three rounds at least. So I think he's going to use that as a bit of a motivational in the smaller event, smaller field, not in the world's best here. So I think he's going to tone it down a little bit. And uh, after he hit that first ball in the water, uh, what was on 17, he just started falling apart completely and just never could get going again. So without that big of a pressure being the players, I think he could have a great week this week. And, you know, really with this A8 below $9,000 value, I think it's great value here for a guy who could compete for a victory. And I'm going Nate Lashley as my last guy, 6'7, my lowest price guy. I needed a flyer and I had $6,700 left. So why not sneak Lashley in here? He's best around the green. So. You know, like I said, approach shots gain approach is the most important statistic. But I I, I like this I like this game a little bit and navigating this course. Uh, it's not going to be you know that long from 150 out uh, where he's going to really make up things. It's going to be around the green within 100 yards from the green, really chipping on and making damage that way. And with so many hazards around, I really like his ability to navigate these these hazards and, and avoid those deep bunkers or uh, out of bound into a water and get yourself uh, in trouble that way. So I'm just hoping that he can uh, get this putter going a little bit because he leaves uh, a lot less to be desired uh, when it comes to that. And, you know, when it comes to $6,700, you're just hoping that your dart throw hits. And let's see if Nate Lashley can do it for me this week. Doug Gim's another guy who's pretty good in the ranges that I was talking about through the approach that 175 to 200 and looking at Nate Lashley's stat I'm kind of confused this is a little bit off topic here 175 to 200 yards from the fairway he's 202nd so not very good at all nope from the rough he's 21st at those same yardages I guess he should just hit in the rough more so yeah, maybe going in the rough. Maybe you don't want him to avoid too many hazards. <laughs> I guess uh, I could have gone wrong. <laughs> I mean, did you guys uh, wrong? Like you said, at that that range though, you're kind of you're hoping that he can put it together, and he's really good around the green, which probably is great around the green game. Around the green game is due to not being great those ranges. Like you said, it's a dart throw at this range. Not a bad pick though. You never know what's going to happen at a course like this when the weather gets up. My picks, though, like I mentioned, Neiman, 
or get used to seeing this guy. Have him at 10-4 in my lineup. The next guy I have is Chris Kirk, and I kind of have a lot of guys in this kind of range here. Chris Kirk, one of the things we haven't mentioned with any of our guys is the par-4 scoring. Chris Kirk is 14th in the PGA Tour in par-4 scoring. How I mentioned, they... Uh, they took two of the par fives away, made them par fours. I think that might play a little bit into this. He's good off the tee, good tee to green. Gained strokes on approach last week. He's been playing great. Top 16 for the last six weeks. So I'm going Chris Kirk at 9,000. Another guy who hasn't missed a cut this year, Brandon Steele. He's been playing well four top 14s in his last five events at Honda. This seems to be a course that he liked. He's only missed the cut once here. He's played here nine times. So he has a good course history, making cuts this whole year and how we said at the beginning. You get a six out of six, you're almost guaranteed to make money almost every week, regardless kind of where your guys are at. So I'm kind of having a little bit of a mixed bag here. He's one of my guys who I'm for sure counting on making the cut being in contention. Next year, I'm going with Keegan Bradley, how I mentioned. Keegan Bradley at 8-4. I think he's a great play here this week. I then have Matthew Neesmith. Once again, going back to these yardages at that 150 to 175 range. His green and regulations from this percentage is second on tour. A lot of approaches from this area this week, so I'm hoping that he can kind of capitalize on this. He's at 7.3 thousand or 7,300. I think, you know, you get guys at these lower ends, you get one really good stat that they can kind of use to their advantage on these courses, uh, and, you, and you can play it, you can ride it, and hope that that can carry them, at least making the cut. Top 30, top 20s, we're happy with guys like this. And then, of course, Florida guy, Chase Seifert at 6-2. Big hose for this guy. Hoping we don't have a, another Tyler Duncan on our hands this week. Yeah, that was a little rough. Yeah. I mean, he had he had the second highest odds. I wasn't expecting much. I did bet on him for a top 10. That very quickly went out the window, and I very <laughs> quickly realized that that wasn't going to happen. I don't think I'm going to make any bets on chase for i will i will for sure be rooting on this guy all right let's let's touch on a few uh few betting lines here in the sports book you know burger is the favorite at what 1050 for a win 275 for a top five and m neiman westwood behind him uh you know one of the guys you know zach johnson here we talked about him he's plus 5000 for a win plus a thousand for a top 10 I also like Brandon Steele, who you talked about, Lenny, plus 4,500 for a win, 1,100 for a uh, top 10. And there's, it's kind of hard this week. We talked about this course. Jim Fear, because another guy is super consistent, plus 1,600 for a top, for a top five you can go here. That would be a, a good pick as he is, you know, the definition of of uh, consistent. Phil Mickelson's in this court, in this, in this field. I forgot about that. And, and Ches Revy, a guy I talked about, why not throw a dart, 12,500. Uh, to win and two thousand for a top five, whatever. A couple bucks could really make you some money if he wins, but you know, that putter game is is rather weak. Yeah, Phil at plus ten thousand. I mean, just for almost the fun of betting on Phil Mickelson and what can happen with Phil, could almost be worth it just for the fun. I think this week I'm going to be looking at more of the top tens and betting top tens more than outright, just because this course can be brutal. So such a difficult course, such a difficult difficult course to call and to predict what's going to happen. I mean, it's not like we've been excellent at it 
as is anyways. Maybe some of the few outrights I might put on is an Adam Scott. I know he's not in my lineup. I went with Neiman over him, and I'm, I'll probably give Neiman a look. Neiman's at plus 2,000, but Adam Scott's at plus 3,000. I don't think the difference between those two guys that much. And, I mean, Shane Lowry's at Adam Scott. Shane Lowry at plus 2,900. The weather, we mentioned, could get nasty here. There's a chance of rain a couple of days. The wind's supposed to be up to 20 miles an hour I think on Thursday and then you know around 15 the rest of the week as things get closer if the weather gets worse for us things kind of look like it's going to be rainier windier I think Shane Lowry might be a guy that I look at more uh, open champion someone who who could be a decent bet uh, there's a there's a lot of guys that I don't know if I, I like kind of the numbers they're at in this field but at the same time like we said this field can almost be a dart throw anywhere one of them might be Brandon Wu plus 7,000 he's a corn fairy tour guy he's won two or three times on tour multiple top tens playing great on the corn fairy tour he's someone that you could definitely look at i wouldn't be terribly surprised if to see him up there competing in this tournament maybe even the richie Wierenski at plus ten thousand. he might be someone he's got a pretty good course history here has played here pretty well i'm pretty sure before but yeah there's there's a lot of guys i think the burger in neiman Scott, probably Westwood. Westwood's playing the best out of anyone in this tournament. Back-to-back second-place finishes. I think those probably are your, your favorites and guys that I think are the most likely to pull something out. But I just don't know if I want to go ahead and bet on a favorite in this tournament. Yeah, so that's it for today's uh, podcast for the Honda Classic at the PGA National. Next week, what do we have? We have the Punta Cana championship we'll see how that works out what the field looks like for that and we'll see what we're gonna do for content wise then the valero texas open before we hit the masters so expect something big for the masters out of that we'll come for uh we'll we'll see what happens with content and what the field looks like for putacana and we'll go from there and, and how much preparation we'll do for the masters so be sure to follow us on social media at out of the rough wk on twitter Follow We Know Fantasy on all uh, all social media outlets. We Know Fantasy uh, at We Know Fantasy, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website, WeKnowFantasy.com, for more fantasy sports content. And until next week, guys, we'll see ya.